May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be ever pleasing, our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. In the opening section of Mark's Gospel this morning, Jesus demonstrates that the power of God is greater than any of the world's evil or demonic forces, and that the authority of Jesus exemplifies is radically different than any other worldly authority. The people in the New Testament times, and indeed the whole ancient world, believed strongly in demons and devils. The ordinary Jewish and pagan or exorcist used elaborate incantations and spells and magical rites. But Jesus, with one word of clear, simple, brief authority, exorcised the demon from the man. He said, be silent and come out of him. The forces of evil, such as demonic possession and deliverance, continue to be recognized in the church today. But there are trained persons within the church that handle this specialized ministry. The Gospels are filled with Jesus' preaching, teaching, and healing. Our focus this morning is on healing. I like to say healing on the landscape of prayer, which is the title of a book by Avery Brooke. For our loved ones, for ourselves, for our community, and for our world. And for some of us, when we hear the word healing, a red flag goes up. Perhaps reminding us of TV evangelists and spectacular healings, services, and movies like The Exorcist. Healing was so clearly at the center of Jesus' mission. Forty-one physical and mental healings in the gospel. 72 if you count the duplicates and there were many many more if we count the numbers healed in large crowds who came to hear Jesus Jesus commanded the disciples to heal every kind of disease every kind of sickness raise the dead cleanse the lepers and cast out unclean spirits and he gave them the power to do this that command extends to each one of us here today. We hear in Mark 6, Jesus called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Healing prayer and laying on of hands was a part of the early church liturgy until about the sixth century. It was largely sacramental through our baptism and the Eucharist. It was around the 7th century, healing was no longer a part of the liturgy. The attitude towards sickness and health changed to one that regarded sickness as a discipline sent from God. Ancient practice or anointing for healing gradually became the unction for the dying, known as the last rites. It was believed that anointing healed people of their sins, but the purpose was to speed them to heaven, not to bring them healing in this world. And then we go to the Middle Ages, healing and laying on of hands all but disappeared. Thomas Aquinas believed there was no place for religious healing. 
Illness was connected with sin and seen as a punishment from God or as preparing the soul for salvation. And miraculous healings were seen as signs of the apostolic age. It's interesting to note that healing, the healing ministry never went away from the Eastern Orthodox Church. It's remained constant. In the 20th and 21st centuries, there has been a renewal of the healing ministry within the mainline churches. We know of the Pentecostals, the Charismatic Movement. There are pilgrimage to shrines such as Lourdes and Metagorgia. The International Order of St. Luke is an organization dedicated to healing within the church. The Mind, Body, Spirit Clinic at Harvard, started by Herbert Benson, stressing the importance of medicine and prayer, bringing about healing and wholeness. And Dr. Larry Dossey has written a book encouraging physicians to pray with their patients. Healing ministry centers, such as Francis and Judith McNutt have a center in Jacksonville, Florida, and... More recently, Nigel Mumford has started a healing center at Christ the King Spiritual Life Center in Greenwich, New York. And then we have gurus in our church like Agnes Sanford and Morton Kelsey and Avery Brooks. That's a quick summary of the healing ministry, but I just wanted you to have an idea of what we're talking about here. My first encounter with the healing prayer happened years ago when we were living in New York raising a young family. A 52-year-old friend of ours and Wall Street lawyer, Alan, received a diagnosis of throat cancer, which would require radical surgery. He was told he would only be able to eat baby food for the rest of his life and he would be left unable to speak. He chose not to have the surgery. He didn't want to live the rest of his life like that. As his disease progressed, He was in and out of the hospital and did not want to see anyone except his family, so none of us saw him, his friends, at first. But at one point, my husband, Bob, was helping his wife with some financial issues, and he told her, my wife prays with people. Well, I'm not really sure why he said that. I did have a prayer partner, but I suspect the Holy Spirit was involved. Uh, I called my... He told him that we prayed with people. And I didn't think too much about it. The very next day, we get a phone call from his wife saying he wanted to see us. So I called my prayer partner and I said, you've got to come with me. I, we, had no, I, we had prayed together, but we really had never prayed one-on-one in that way. We, were for, we forged ahead, trusting that God would guide us. We met with Alan, and he was curious about our faith. He wanted to know why we were doing this, why we were there, and he wanted us to pray with him. Well, just in the middle of our talking with him, from the other bed, the bed right next to Alan's, behind the curtain, we hear, hey, lady, when you finish with him, would you come over and say a prayer with me? He said, I'm Jewish, but it really doesn't matter. We're all going to Jordan Marsh. We're just on different elevators. (laughs) So God does have a sense of humor. And we did, after we were finished with Alan, go over and pray with her. It was the beginning of a long and wonderful spiritual friendship with Alan. I ended up visiting him once a week. Sometimes his wife joined us. And we laughed and we cried together and we prayed and we read the Bible. It was during this time that Alan shared with me that he thought... 
The reason he had his cancer was because his youngest son was on drugs and was quite ill on drugs. And Alan was convinced that that's why he had his cancer, and he was very angry. When Christmas came that year, he asked, we did know their whole family, he asked if we would take his son. He said, I don't want to see him. I don't want him with us. He didn't want him around. So I refused, and, I got, and he got angry with me. And I told him that his son belonged with them for Christmas. His son did go home that Christmas, and he and Alan were reconciled. Alan wrote a letter to his son forgiving him that his son has, has, has with him to this day. Alan died a month and a half later. He was healed. He was not cured, but he was healed. He died peacefully. His relationship with his son was healed. And sometimes healing is death. But this whole incident started me. I remember at the very end, he said to me, when I get up there, Judy, I'm saving you a big leather chair. So I'm waiting to get up there to get that leather chair at some point. Not yet. <laughs> that started me on a journey that continues to today. One question that I hear a lot, and I suspect you've heard it or asked it yourself, is why are some people healed and others are not? But think about it. It is a mystery. Perhaps the question that we might ask is why are some people healed and others are cured? The dictionary defines cure as, uh, as a physical recovery from disease, restores one to full health, while heal is defined as to make or become sound or whole. The word heal comes from the old English word halen, it, is not only, it doesn't only mean to restore to health by way of cure, it also means to set right or to amend. To be healed is to receive whatever is needed in order to become sound or whole. It is the physical, emotional, and spiritual release of dis-ease, wholeness of body, mind, and spirit. I believe everyone receives a healing when we pray. Some, something always happens. We may never know what that is. We do our part. We show up and do our best, and God does the rest. That is faith. We pray and we pray and leave the outcome to God, trusting in the power and the wisdom of our loving Lord. In her book, The Healing Light, Agnes Sanford uses the metaphor of electricity for prayers of healing. The light we see in a bulb is not the electricity itself. Electricity is invisible. The light is only the result of the electricity acting upon the wire. When we lay our hands on and pray for someone, we become the electric light bulbs through whom the light of God reaches the world. We call upon Jesus' power by laying our hands upon one another and praying in Jesus' name. Jesus is the healer. We are the vessels through whom that power is transmitted to bring healing and wholeness, peace and conviction. So we are called by Jesus to pray. Some have a gift of healing. Avery Brooks, who wrote Healing on the Landscape of Prayer that I mentioned, likens healing to playing the piano. 
Everyone can learn to play. Some never learn to play well. Others learn very well, and some have a gift. Jesus told all of his disciples to pray, not some. All Christians have a gift of healing by virtue of their baptism. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Some of us practice using that gift more than others. Always, the healing stories of Jesus point us toward the Jesus of compassion and tender care, whose authority is connected with God's power to break down false boundaries that separate clean from unclean, the oppressed from the oppressor, to proclaim God's victory, to say that the day of evil gaining the upper hand over good will come to an end. We can count on that. The healing ministry is intimately connected with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. By his wounds, we are healed. When we pray for one another, it is a sign that the kingdom of God is in our midst. The kingdom of evil is being destroyed. But for that to happen, God needs our help. I think of the prayer of Teresa of Avila. Christ has no body on earth but yours, no feet but yours. It is your feet with which he must walk about doing good, your hands with which he blesses humanity, your voice with which his forgiveness is spoken, your heart with which he now loves. Mark preserves stories of healing in our Lord's life because his generation of Christians felt defeated and powerless. Mark wanted them to see Jesus as a strong opponent of the forces of evil that attempt to paralyze human life. You and I also need to hear these stories because they break into our lives and into our world with assurance and confidence and hope and power and free you and me from all evil that tries to enslave us. Over the years of praying for healing with people, I have witnessed a peaceful spirit in the midst of chaos, self-forgiveness in prisoners shunned by society, healing bombs surrounding the grieving, a change of heart for those who have been badly hurt, a cure of cancer several times over, a light at the end of the tunnel for those suffering from depression, a healing touch, and many more healings that I know nothing about. A mystery, to be sure. So I invite you to come and see. Come for prayer. Pray for others. Explore Jesus' ministry of healing in today's world. Jesus said, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. I'd like to end with a quote by my favorite author and theologian, Richard Rohr. And he has this to say. Jesus is the focused revelation of what God is doing everywhere and all the time. The Jesus story is the universe story. And you do not need to be a Christian to see that. His role is to visibly hold together matter and spirit, divine and human, and thus reveal the Christ ministry that always was and always will be. And we are in on the deal. Thanks be to God. Amen.